1: Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on JOY. And the Community Radio Network. Can you introduce yourself for listeners and tell us a bit about the research that you presented on here at Better Together?
0: Sure. My name is Dr. Shane Worrell. I'm an academic researcher at the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society, also known as ARCHES, at La Trobe University in Melbourne. So I'm, I'm here at Better Together talking about informal mental health support that LGBTQ people provide to their peers Uh, commonly when they're experiencing suicidal thoughts, depression and anxiety. And I was doing that with reference to a report that we released at Arches in late 2021 called Lean On Me. Uh, Some some listeners might be aware of that report. Uh, So that that involved interviewing 25 community members in Melbourne uh, with support from the Northwestern Melbourne Primary Health Network and um, they were all adults and uh, yeah it was it was really looking at their experiences of being lent on of being there for for somebody who was experiencing those thoughts suicidality depression anxiety and being there for them when they needed it
1: one of the findings that came out of your presentation that i noted straight away was that you talked about that that sort of informal support is saving lives. Can you explain that a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I can. So uh, a lot of the people we spoke to had experiences of helping somebody who was suicidal, who was experiencing suicide, suicidal thoughts, suicidality. And uh, striking about that was perhaps the frequency of that and the number of times that some people have been in those situations. So we spoke to somebody who estimated um, dozens of situations where they'd been helping people in those situations. So um, it's it's really difficult, of course, to know what the consequences would be if people weren't there for people in those, those um, times of need. But you know we have to take those those situations really seriously and think about what could be the consequences so that's that's why that's why we concluded that yeah, this this care is
1: vital it's crucial and indeed it is life-saving part of having being able to provide that care i guess is about being able to actually have the conversation and so many times on well we've talked about the stigma associated with mental health from your research is there any indication that that stigma is less so amongst LGBTIQ communities? Like, are we more comfortable talking about poor mental health? We certainly found more of an
0: openness, I think. People talked about how openly they they had conversations about mental health and mental distress. And that was interesting in the sense that people could find themselves connecting with others about experiences of um, trauma, experiences of perhaps um, violence and uh, abuse that they'd experienced and how that had caused distress for them. So I think there was that that willingness to talk about these things and a willingness to open up and that leads to people providing support to each other.
1: And speaking about that support for each other, a lot of your findings were talking about informal mental health support. What do we mean when we say informal mental health support?
0: So we were looking particularly at um, a group of people who are helping their peers outside of um, professional and organisational settings. So I I suppose if you think about um, mental health support as existing in three broad ways, you've got um, professionals who are providing support within a private practice or a community or a health setting. You also have uh, peers with lived experiences working in those settings as peer support workers. But we were looking more at Uh, private spaces, I suppose, outside of uh, any professional organisational context. So it could be homes, it could be workplaces, it could be community events, it could be uh, in some cases... um, bars and nightclub settings where people were just um, informally helping each other.
1: One of the rules that you talked about was the role of the partner. Um, and I thought that was an interesting one because a lot of folks might assume that a partner is always in an informal care, but that's not necessarily always the case. But could you yeah, touch on that a little bit about that role?
0: Yeah, sure. So what I should say as well is that we, we talked about um, informal care being provided by various role types. And we, we looked at um, things like you know, there was the safe friend who was trustworthy and, you know, a go-to person. We had the peer leader who might be prominent in the community and leading a support group for somebody who's who's perhaps, um, you know, involving themselves in community for the first time. Uh, the housemate who, who might suddenly find themselves um, supporting somebody, perhaps that they don't even know that well. But, yeah, you mentioned the partner, and this was an interesting one because... Um, I think people would assume that um, a supportive relationship involves an element of um, mental health support. I mean, that's what, you know, you want people, your partner to support you in in that situation. But I think we wanted to differentiate um, that type of general uh, support with more acute support where somebody is um, feeling suicidal and to, to make the point that that's not evident in all relationships. So I think um, the partner is, is uh, represents, the partner support role represents an extension of the, the usual sort of partner dynamic. And to an extent the other support roles also present, uh, sorry, uh, represent an extension of a role. And that's where you start to um, see uh, how demanding some
1: of that support can be. But I guess, yeah, having those rules defined help kind of us identify, you know, who's who's likely to be falling into these scenarios. We've talked about on the Well, Well, Well before around CARES and that that comes with some challenges. What are some of the challenges and issues faced by these people providing informal mental health support that you've uh, found?
0: Well, it is very time consuming. Um, It takes a lot of energy. Uh, People very much out of their comfort zones, um, out of their areas of expertise. A lot of people didn't have any kind of mental health, um, professional training and background. So I think people are um, finding it difficult to, you know, maintain all the other responsibilities they have in their busy lives because, you know, life is complex and busy and um, the responsibilities of, of caring for somebody else challenging so we saw um, situations where people were feeling burnt burnt out they felt like there was impacts on their own mental health um, in ways they felt isolated perhaps from um, other parts of the community by you know by helping somebody uh, and there were feelings of helplessness I guess that people not feeling like they could resolve a situation for somebody and, and provide the right kind of support for someone
1: do we have an insight to how they in the in the face of that, how they coped?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was varied. Um, people, were, some people were able to to set boundaries around the work. Um, they were able to turn to uh, fellow community members for support. They were able to do um, self care, you know, exercise, art, other kinds of expression that that helped them get in a different kind of headspace. But that wasn't the case for everybody. So there was, there was people who, who didn't feel they could access those other support networks. They felt like um, they perhaps needed to withdraw from a care situation, but they couldn't. They felt like that would be letting the person down and even it might be unsafe to do so. So I think the coping strategies were um, unequal across the board. People didn't have the same resources, I suppose.
1: So with all of this information in mind around people providing informal mental health care support, what are the findings, I or not the findings, but what are the recommendations that come out of the report?
0: Well, I think, uh, first of all, people who are providing this kind of support need better support themselves. Uh, in some cases, they're the last resort um, for somebody. Uh, in other cases, perhaps even if they're not the last resort, they're feeling like they're the last resort. And you know, it's really um, it's something to celebrate that people are willing to actually be there for other people and, and support them when they most needed need it. But it shouldn't be up to them entirely. I mean, the support that they provide should be part of a safer, more robust system of care that um, supports people with significant mental health distress. So this kind of informal support should be celebrated, but it should be one aspect of, I guess, more holistic care. We thought about recommendations such as um, talking about establishing guiding principles to support LGBT communities to provide care to people experiencing chronic and acute mental health crisis. So asking questions like what does a caregiver do when they need to help? But how do they come to know what to do if you don't have any any um, background in, in mental health um, training or education? How do you come to know what how do, how you respond? So I think um, supports like uh, telephone support lines, web chat services, um, more and in, more investment in that, more awareness of it. And I think during the pandemic we saw the emergence of the rain, Rainbow Door, which has been a fabulous resource for this kind of thing. So more, more funding for those kind of things. Um, also to look at how people providing support can recognise burnout in themselves. How can they monitor their own, own wellbeing? Uh, improving suicide prevention referral pathways for LGBTIQA plus people that are affirming and timely. And um, looking at bigger picture stuff, broader action plans for um, communities to uh, prevent some of the, the situations that we, we're seeing at the moment, where people are in these situations where they're, 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 um, they're needing this support. So upstream stuff about not getting to to this point as well
1: if people want to find out a little bit more about this report um is that publicly available how do they go about doing that the reports online um
0: downloadable from latrobe website if you just google latrobe university and lean on me like the song uh you'll be able to find it pretty easily
1: shane thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today enjoy the rest of your better together conference it's been a pleasure thanks for your time Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn or via the website thornharbour.org.
0: This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024